Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Zach Drew. Uh, you notice that Andrew Bellers isn't here today. He's actually here in the studio, but he has a lot of work to get done over the weekend, editing and doing our, our certain things that we have to get done. We typically do things, uh, closed captioning and editing on Mondays, but I'll be doing a program with Philip Cameron on his program called Daily Faith, which actually also airs on CTN uh, this Monday. So we have a lot to get done, and he told me this morning, Zach, would you mind doing the show by yourself so I can focus on this work? I said, if you want to, that's fine with me because we have a lot of content for today's show. And I want you to know that today's show is difficult for me because I'm going to be saying things that come against the camp that I belong to. We've been doing the show for two and a half years. I've only had to do this two times. It's not a joy for me. It's a very it's a very serious thing. You know, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have to say this this Friday? But I really feel like I'm supposed to. Um, what, I'm, what, am I, what do I mean by the camp I belong to? Well, I'm a Christian, and I'm also, that's one camp. That's the most important camp. But I'm also a Christian who believes in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm also a conservative. I'm a patriot. I'm a constitutionalist, right? So these are some camps and we all belong to certain camps. And I'm always a team player. I like loyalty, I like sticking together. So it's, it's not a fun thing for me to say things against the camp that I belong to. I'm not saying things against the constitutionalists or the patriots or the conservatives or even just Christians at large today. I have something that I need to talk about concerning the charismatic church the denominations that believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and more specifically, those who belong to the New Apostolic Reformation. And that's going to be very, very tricky because a lot of the people that you probably follow are part of the New Apostolic Reformation, but they just never tell you. I believe that, um, you know, we have teachers, we have preachers, we have apostles, we have, you know, we have, um, we have prophets, right? Evangelists. I think that God is trying to do something in the prophets, and I don't know exactly what it is. But to sum it up, and, and, and this might confuse you at first, but I think they're sick right now. I don't think they're hearing correctly from, from God. I think, that, I think that God is somehow trying to, you know, turn our attention somewhere else. I'm not sure, but there was a litmus test for this week's show. Is it true? What I'm, what I'm going to say is yes, it is. But just because something's true doesn't mean you have to talk about it. Does it need to be said? That's the big question. And I believe it does need to be said. And will it help the body of Christ? And I believe the answer is yes. I'm going to be reading a story that whenever I read the headline, you might agree with it. Or you might be like me and disagree with it. I want you to be patient and hear me out. And I want to explain to you why this is so wrong. This was the point. When I read this article, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because there, this subject has been brewing in me for a couple of months now. And I didn't know if I was going to talk about it. Here's the article. Charismatic prophetess says that if you challenge her, that her angels, 
her angels will kill you. Okay, so it's a well-known, I don't need to say her name, but it's a well-known prophetess in the New Apostolic Reformation. She now says that if you challenge her, those same angels that told her Donald Trump was going to win, which she obviously heard incorrectly, and unfortunately, those same angels are going to come after you and kill you. Here's her direct quote. If you're making noise to come and take me down, you'll have to face these 150-foot angels who are with me. I always have to give a warning. You will not live in a decision like that. The Father told me he's not going to let anybody take my life. That's not a challenge to you. That's a warning. So I know you're probably going, it's, well, do not touch the anointed, right? Well, I'm going to break that down for you as well. And just so you know, you might be thinking, well, it is pretty bad, Zach, if people are trying to take her down. Well, you got to read it in context. If you're making noise to come and take me down, you know, then my angels will kill you, right? Well, what is the noise? What's the noise she's referencing? Part of that noise is and was a body of believers respectfully seeking clarity on her prophecies that have appeared to absolutely not come true. Is that so wrong for the body of Christ to keep it, its leaders in some, some form of check and balances, some form of accountability? In response to those people, she doubled down and said this. So her prophecies concerning Donald Trump, which she totally got wrong, um, People were upset. Can you just explain it to us? Tell us, what, tell us what was going on. She doubled down and said, quote, nowhere in the Bible does it say that prophets have to apologize for anything. Can you imagine the audacity it takes? I mean, for, for someone to say something like that, nowhere in the Bible does it say that prophets have to apologize for anything. The arrogance. I talked to Andrew Bellers, and Andrew was like, yeah, well, it doesn't say they have to apologize. It says they have to be drug outside the city and stoned to death, you know? I mean, that's what the Bible actually says. Now, praise God, we don't live in the, you know, Old Testament anymore. But you see, many pastors have, and I'm trying to teach you these things because we've been so deceived. Many pastors have weaponized the scripture, do no harm to my anointed, to their own advantage. This is what she's doing. Don't you say anything. Don't you bring up my field prophecies. My 150-foot angels, they'll kill you. This is crazy. They've weaponized. Do, not, do no harm to my anointed to their own advantage. Many use it as a form of control to put fear into people. You know, don't challenge me. You know, I, I, I do no wrong. It relieves them of any checks and balances or any church accountability. They are anointed, you know, to such a degree that they are larger than life and untouchable. Say one thing wrong and God might strike you dead. Hmm. That verse is always taken out of context. That verse comes from 1 Samuel chapter 26 verse 9. Here's a little context first. David, who ultimately took Saul's uh, position, refused to touch Saul physically. 
When David and two other men had gone into Saul's camp at night, one of the two men asked to strike Saul with a spear as he felt God had delivered Saul into David's hand. But David refused and said, quote, who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? In verse 15 and 16, David even rebukes Abner for not guarding Saul and says he deserved to die for not protecting his master. However, this does not stop David from rebuking Saul. He rebuked him. Well, do no harm to my anointed. He just got insane. Saul's his anointed. Just got, just got done rebuking one of his own for saying, how can you, you can't, you can do no harm to an anointed. You were about ready to stretch out your, your physical hand and strike him dead. Well, if it's talking about saying things verbally, he literally did that. David literally did that to Saul four verses later. He rebuked Saul for pursuing him because uh, he was innocent, had nothing you know, to harm Saul. Saul then repented of his actions and called himself a fool. He added he would not harm David anymore. David returned Saul's possessions and said, for the Lord delivered you into my hand, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. The story of Saul ends with David kept from the battle and Saul and Jonathan lost their lives in. Instead, he fought, fought the uh, Amalekites. An Amalekite messenger came back with torn clothes and dust on his head, showing he was in mourning. David, David uh, then inquired of him, and he told David that he had killed Saul. So David said to him, how was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, your blood is on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Okay, so there you have it. The Bible makes it clear. To touch the anointed means to bring physical harm and or death. It doesn't keep leaders from accountability. But there's only, there is one more thing. Who is anointed today, according to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 through 22, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He anointed us. 1 John 2.27, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So whenever it says, do no harm, to my anointed, it's talking about physical harm. And it's not just talking about the anointed in the fashion of, of ultra-spiritual leaders. It's literally everyone that belongs to the body of Christ. They are God's anointed. And so whenever you have these big characters saying, don't you say anything against me, 
150 foot angels are going to kill you. They are hijacking verses, taking them out of context to manipulate you to keep, well, it's to keep them in, in, in power, to keep them unchallenged. And it's absolutely wrong. Matthew chapter, and I'm, listen, I'm going to be sharing some things that we're just getting started. That was what that set off. That it was, like I said, the straw that broke the camel's back that led me to say these unnerving things that I'm going to have to say next, uh, right after this verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says this. So this is, this is Jesus. This is the red words, okay? Watch out for false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Okay. Well, do you think that word is relevant for today? Is applicable for today? Absolutely and 100%. So if that word that says watch out for false prophets is just as relevant and applicable today, then what do we need to be doing? Watching out for false prophets. Now, who are they? They come to you in sheep's clothing. The majority of people are going to view them as just regular, uh, innocent sheep. But inwardly, they are ferocious as wolves. And just think about this for a moment. If we are to keep watch for false prophets, who are we to be looking at? We are to be looking at our own camp. Why do I say that? Well, I mean, do the Methodists even believe in prophets or the Baptists or the Presbyterians or Lutherans? No. So if we're to watch out for false prophets and false prophets are going to come and deception is gonna be more wild than any other time in human history before, the, before Jesus' return, then those false prophets are likely going to be coming from the charismatic church. And that's why we have to be careful, but something that isn't just annoying to me. Because a lot of things can be annoying to someone, but well, you know, everybody's made different. But something I truly have a real problem with is the fact that the biggest prophetic names in this country all said they, and, and, and I choose my words carefully, that they heard God say. They literally would say, thus saith the Lord, concerning Donald Trump having two consecutive terms in the White House. And they were totally and completely wrong. And, and you might be upset at me for saying this, I, I'm on your side. But we would be so foolish not to take a step back and think, is this okay? Literally the biggest names. I have a list of 23 names that I will not share. They're from my own personal you know, knowledge. 23 names in the prophetic world and they all got it wrong. And then after, that's the key word after, the prophets got it wrong, people that deem themselves as professional interpreters come to the rescue and spin what the original prophecy said to make it appear as if the prophets did still get it right. They spin it to save their, the prophet's credibility. If prophetic words must be spun by 
prophecy and dream interpreters after the prophecy appears to have been wrong, what good is that to the body of Christ? What purpose would that even serve? How would that warn us or instruct us or edify us? Hindsight is always 2020. And many have failed uh, and they've tried to spin it to save their credibility. And I want to say this. Kudos, my hat is off. I am so, I respect, I, I truly respect the few big names who publicly apologized and repented. I can get behind those people. I can trust those people. I can even trust the group of those prophets that say, you know what? You know, I haven't repented yet, but like they just say, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out where I went wrong. What, what happened? And this is right now, it's between me and God and we're trying to figure this thing out. But then there are several that are just simply doubling down like this prophetess who says, nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that prophets are supposed to apologize for anything. The arrogance, the pride, the ego, the audacity to say something like that. If they had repented or they had been working it out, I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't even be doing the show. This should be a huge wake up call to the charismatic Christian world. It is one thing to be a Christian uh, that is or was, you know, pro-Trump, conservative, constitutionalist who believes the republic is likely at stake and maybe even lost uh, if we are the generation before Christ returns. You see, I am all of those things. I am all of those things to the nth degree. And for those of you that watch my show, you know that full well. You see, I believe in miracles. I believe in healings. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in prophecy. I believe all of those things are still for today. I do not hold to a cessationist view, okay? Not sensationalism, a cessationist, which is the view that states that all of those things were only to establish the early church and then ceased immediately afterwards. I do not take that view. Nope, I believe all of those things continue today, right now. But concerning prophecy, I do not think people hear about future events nearly as often as they think they do. You see, 2020 will forever be in history books because of COVID-19 and the 2020 elections. COVID-19 has changed and will change the world more than 9-11. I mean, COVID-19 was such a defining moment. You, you have to go back to maybe even like World War II as far as the world impact that an event can have, and I'm serious, it will forever be in history books because of COVID-19 and the radical 2020 elections. And you just need to sit there and ponder just for a moment, just this, this is what is bothering me. Yet not a single prophet saw it beforehand. How can that be? I think we have too much stock into people rather than Jesus and his word, his precious, amazing, holy word. Following these people has a lot of times, it's become a form of idolatry. And, 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 I, and I'm going to make something clear. I'm not saying that God told me this, but it's as if he is allowing all these prophets to get so much wrong because he wants you and I to return to our first love, to know and recognize his voice. 
You see, I'm in a season right now, it's just like, or maybe it's to you. Do you want a prophetic word? Do you want to hear from God, to know with certainty what he is saying? Then open up your holy Bible and read away. You see, you need to recognize that I'm coming at this also from a different vantage point, okay? I was, um, for those of you that know my history, I was the right-hand man on stage for two very large ministries. So, because of that, I was always uh, singled out, actually, and prophesied over by the guests that would be there. Kind of like, you know, kind of like if you're in a, in, in a spirit-filled church, when a prophet comes to town, the pastor's family will always get a word, right? You know, it's kind of funny. It's like, well, how can that be, right? So, so I was kind of like that guy. Uh, and uh, I have probably, you know, received over 100 prophetic words in my lifetime, honestly, probably pushing closer to 200. And I, and I kid you not. Do you know how many were spot on confirmation and truly changed the course of my life? Three. And there's a couple that, you know, are on the back burner to see, you know, but three. I think that there's a lot of prophets that are simply just, they're unwell right now. Not to say that they never hear from God, but they hear from God less than they think they do. But they always speak for him, and because of that, they deceive people. I received dozens and dozens of words, prophetic words, that were, you know, given to me, like, someone would prophesy them to me. And you got to understand, this wasn't, they weren't from, you know, your church's intern studying the prophetic, okay? But from the most famous prophets and pastors, truly household names. And, and time and time and time again, totally wrong over and over again. Um, and never did it challenge my, I need you to understand this, never did it challenge my belief in God or or, you know, Jesus, or, you know, just redemption and, and its value or anything. No, no, no. It just lowered my view of man. Because if you put man on a pedestal and man fails you, your, wor your, your world is shattered. But if you put Jesus on a pedestal, well, he's deserving of it. And he will never fail you, ever fail you. You see, God during that time was definitely doing something to mold me, to shape me. Um, you know, I would actually, I would have dinner with one particular person about every two months. It was part of my job to do so. Um, and when, the, you know, this person, this said subject would, would, would come to town, uh, it was always difficult for me because this person was always making the most bold prophecies uh, and oftentimes I'd you know, be sitting right next to him while he'd be making these bold prophecies about how, you know, things like the tribulation was going to start, uh, you know, the first I think was like in March of 2012, then March would pass, then it was April and it would pass, then September and it was, and then, you know, it would pass and dates just kept changing and changing and changing. Um, now, I want you to know that also understand this. The first time I heard these, I was very excited. I was like, wow, this is amazing. We are so close to Jesus' return. Only a few months. And then really let down when it didn't happen. And I actually kept a personal worksheet for every time this guy would, 
give another timetable and time and time and time again, wrong, wrong, wrong. And can I tell you one of the most frustrating things about the whole thing? It didn't matter how many times he gave horrible prophetic words that were 100% wrong that anybody could see that they are wrong. Anybody could see it if they just simply thought about what did he say a few months ago. But because they were always so juicy and so shocking, the audience would continue to come back and, and, and fill the, the, the place. They would eat it up. They were always back next time he was there to get their next fix in. And I just couldn't understand it. Why would these people want to be guided by him? How, are they, how could people be so short-sighted that a prophet is recognized by him getting words right? If someone prophesies things and never, ever, ever gets it right, but can, it's provable to be wrong, why do people keep listening to them? Are you one of those people that listen to these people that do these things? I remember I, I had dinner with him once. Uh, it was one of the last times I did. And um, I remember he pulled out his newest chart of when the tribulation would start. And, and, and I listened, you know, respectfully, nodding, you know, being polite. I was, you know, enjoying my salmon and looking forward to some cream brulee for dessert. Uh, but then he asked me point blank, so Zach, what, what do you think? Of, of what? He said, of my timeline. Oh gosh, my gosh, you know, you know, it's like, well, well, Proverbs 12, 22, you know, says that the Lord detests lying lips. And, you know, so I looked at him and I said, I think you were wrong. And I remember that he was clearly taken aback because once again, there's no checks and balances. There's no accountability with so many people. And, and he asked why. And, and I proceeded to recall from memory and tell him about the last half dozen prophecies he gave and how they are 100% wrong and they never came to pass. Now, and believe it or not, it, it, was very, it was very civil. You know, you can say things in a nice way still. And, and I remember he left saying that if he was wrong, he would owe me a big ribeye steak. <laughs> well, it's been about four years and I'm still waiting for that steak. We put too much stock into these people and I think that a lot of times it, it hurts God whenever these men and women speak for God and he's not saying anything and then get caught in it and don't apologize for it. And speaking of apologies, you know, I had a man on the show I interviewed about eight months ago that his videos were going viral of the dreams that he had of things that were going to take place at the end of 2020. And, and I believed, I believed him and I want to apologize to you for not having better discernment. And so I'm sorry, you know, he saw things that were going to take place in 2020, very specific. And he saw Soviet and Russian troops physically on us soil. You know, he saw the U.S. dollar absolutely plummeting in October of 2020. He saw blue helmets, which is the U.N. throughout the U.S., uh, restoring order. And none of it came true. And, and uh, you know, I was taken with it, too. And so I'm sorry for that. And, and, and it's funny, kind of funny with that particular scenario, because once again, the, the dream in, interpreters come in to do damage control. 
after the fact. No, 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 those dreams weren't, you know, he said it was in, in October of 2020, but, you know, we think it actually probably meant this. Just stop. You didn't hear from God. You know, just repent. Say, you know, return from it. Say you're sorry and just gain people's trust back. It's just that simple. You know, because I, I don't believe that God would speak to the prophets in ways that cannot be understood or dreams that cannot be understood. He isn't going to confuse people. He's going to bring clarity. You know, one of the, um, one of, and, and here's the thing, I, you know, I'm not interested in saying the names, but you know all these people. You know, you probably even know who I'm talking about. You know, like I said, I've got hundreds of words, but only three have ever come, you know, one guy that gave me a word, his name was Gareth. The most, one of the most incredible prophetic words, and it, it shaped it, it changed my life. Another one was Mary, you don't know Mary. Another one was Jim. Now, you know Jim, and he gave me a very, very accurate uh, a word, but, you know, I'm sitting on stage for, I, you're molded, you're shaped by those experiences. And so I do have a different vantage point than a lot of people concerning this, because I wasn't in the pews, you know, 100 feet away from these untouchable men and women of God. I have dinner with them, you know, for years. And one of the most popular ones that just really rubbed me the wrong way, I remember that he said that if you don't believe, if you simply just don't believe, not that you don't want Trump to win, but if you simply don't believe he's going to win, that you are committing, the word he used was spiritual treason. That is such a huge allegation. Think about it. Has nothing making committing treason against the holy God, treason against the holy God, not because you rejected the Son, not because you blasphemed the Holy Spirit, not because you lived an unrepentant life as a reprobate. No, you committed spirit the ultimate act of spiritual treason because you didn't believe Trump was going to win. Get off your high horse. I was a supporter. You watched the show as a huge supporter of, of, of President Trump. Really was hoping and believing that he would win. But for conservatives that did like Trump, if they're like, well, I don't know if he's going to pull through, you're not committing spiritual treason. Your election, your, your salvation is still secure. Don't let these people manipulate you like that. And even after the election, he continued that if we didn't believe Trump was going to pull it off, and I believed he was, never prophesied he was, but I believed he was. But if you didn't, you were committing spiritual treason. Hmm. You know, I was just, if you believe in the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you've accepted the free gift of salvation, if you've been forgiven of your sins by the precious blood of the Lamb, if you were those things and you were ever at one time sitting there simply bummed out that Trump lost, like I was, not believing it, that it could be turned over, you're not committing spiritual treason. Don't ever think, I just don't understand how people can say these things and still has such a massive following. Can I tell you someone, I'm gonna wrap this thing up, but can I tell you someone who I think is really genuine, 
and I really like, if you really want a good prophetic voice that I've had dinner with him, so I've had hours of conversations with him, like many of these people. Some of them I liked, some of them I didn't like. But I'll tell you one that is so genuine, so humble, so God-fearing, hears so clearly from the Lord, is Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. Um, if there's a prophetic voice that I trust, truly trust, it would be his. And there are many teachers and preachers that I love, lots. But a man with a, a prophetic voice, Jonathan Kahn, he's great. I pray this would be a shaking in the, the fringest corners of the charismatic world. For the leaders, sure, but more for the millions who hang on their every word. When I say fringe corners of the charismatic world, I really am largely talking about those with beliefs connected to the NAR. And it's tricky because most will never actually mention the NAR or that their doctrine is aligned with it. You know, people stand in line for hours just to get a word from the prophet, yet they haven't opened up their Bibles in weeks or months. I think the prophetic is real, but I think it's kind of sick right now. I pray that this would be a shaking to draw people back to sound doctrine and a love for the scriptures. I wanted to expose these things because a lot of people will hear these things and for some reason they're not able to put it together that these men and women are constantly getting words incredibly false. And I wanted to expose that and say, if you want a prophetic word, open up your word. I think this is a season when we need to know God's voice better than any other time in world history. And the only way you learn God's voice and when he is speaking to you is, when, is whenever you read the word. The more of the word you get inside of you, the more of the word you read and understand, the more time that you spend with God in his word. You can see how he talks, how he speaks, how he moves. I think that God wants us to get back into our word, to return to our first love, and not to be so easily taken with the newest, latest prophetic word. There needs to be balance. This was a difficult show for me today. Um, like I said, I don't like talking against my own camp, but not enough people are talking about what I discussed today. And um, I appreciate you tuning in, and uh, I hope you got something from the show. We were praying beforehand that your hearts would just be um, ready to receive what God wanted you to hear from this, that you wouldn't receive it in a wrong way or even a, a way that would manipulate the word spoken or even the way that I wanted you to receive it, but even more importantly, the way that God would want you to hear in these words and what it would mean for you and how you can make changes in your life to make sure that you aren't putting men and women on pedestals, but only Jesus Christ. We're totally out of time for today. 
We'll see you next week.